This is my friendly reminder that I am not a doctor. I am just a fellow ADHDer, teacher, and life coach. If you suspect that you have ADHD or some other mental illness, please seek help from a medical professional. As I always suggest, see a psychologist to get a full evaluation. Back to the show. Hi, welcome to podcast number 13, ADHD, emotions, and the case of the missing manager. No, I did not make up the case of the missing manager, but I forgot where it came from, but it was a very clever phrase, and it has to do with our executive functioning skills. Our executive functions are the things that help us manage our brain. So that frontal area, the executive function area of our brain is like the manager of our brain. So in this episode, we're going to talk about those emotions we feel oh so strongly, the overtaking emotions of the ADHD life, and the missing manager of the emotions. So whether you cry at any sad thing, you feel like your impulsivity bursts out of you without your control, you fly off the handle in anger, you burst with excitement, and or any other behavior that's connected with feelings. You get frustrated driving. We have low frustration tolerance, friends. We have, we feel emotions in our bodies like a sensation. Like, like when I feel anxiety, like having a little bit of anxiety tonight, I'm going to be authentic with you. I always have a little preschool jitters and tomorrow is teacher institute first day back. And I always get these weird, you know, little, it's not like butterflies, like, oh, I have a crushed butterflies, like weird, yucky butterflies in my stomach that I don't like. Anyways, I'm getting sidetracked. <laughs> so, you know, that deep emotional pull in your body, much like your face getting hot when you're embarrassed or your hands getting sweaty, <sighs> things like that. If you relate, this is a good episode for you. Let's get started. So, I always felt things strongly. I used to listen to super emotional music. Avril Lavigne was always my girl. And I would cry profusely to this music. And sometimes I didn't even know why, you guys. I didn't even know why. As a child, I know why now, because I didn't feel like I had any control over my life. But, yeah, I used to feel things, I mean, I still do, but I always did. Uh, I used to cry when my brothers would get in trouble. Like, my dad would, like, yell at them, and, like, I would cry, and he's like, why are you, like, he didn't understand, like, why am I crying? Uh, If somebody got sick around me, I felt sick to my stomach. Um, and I could always felt like I, like, felt a sense of what someone else felt like. And as I grew older, 
and kind of research it a little bit, I kind of like self-proclaimed myself an empath. Although I still identify as an empath, I know now that there's a name for my emotions that seem to take over my entire body at times. And it does have to do, I mean, this is a different area of ADHD, but your awareness and your empathy for others and knowing how they feel is very strong, but also the name for the strong feelings that is the, um, the deficiency that we have is deficient emotional self-regulation or D-E-S-R for short. So what is D-E-S-R? This newer term that's so very overlooked of deficient emotional self-regulation describes the emotion regulation difficulties coupled with problematic impulsive emotional behaviors. So basically it's outbursts that we have or big huge shopping sprees we go on or I don't know other things that fall under that impulsive emotional behavior. So yes, you heard correctly. There is problematic impulsivity, which means there is helpful impulsivity, which is a whole nother episode. We will be talking today about the problematic type a little bit, the type that makes you um, buy the things, interrupt in conversation, and or the inability to stop watching the show, stop scrolling the phone, stop, you know, insert here. So the part of ADHD that is emotional dysregulation is not in the diagnostic criteria. Clinicians are starting to recognize it as their patients experience emotional dysregulation as a big and centered part of the neurodevelopmental disorder. Wow, I cannot talk today. We're going to try harder at that. So DESR is basically a manifestation of different deficiencies within our emotions, like our regulation of them. This can include inappropriately reacting to behavior triggered by a strong emotion. So for example, being woken up and not being able to go back to sleep. So I get angry about being awake and I take it out of my partner. Or I get home from a long day of managing my executive functions, taxing them and using all my energy, my low frustration tolerance explodes at home instead or vice versa. This can also look like getting super overwhelmed, letting your brain spin out so much your body reacts with panic or a freeze reaction, also known as the fight, flight, or freeze. The fighting is the arguing with reality, which we will get to in a different episode. So another example is when you can't get past a strong emotion, so you bring that emotion with you. So something super sad happens, big breakup. You bring those emotions to school with you. You bring those emotions to work back home. Um, you have an inability to shift your focus from that strong emotional event. 
the ability to think about future when choosing to do something impulsively. This is one of the things that we have to work on a little bit harder than everybody else. And even though there's neuroscience that strongly supports this information, for example, the fact that our limbic system, a.k.a. the emotions, and the amygdala, a.k.a. the memories and experiences, they compensate when our executive function skills are hard to reach or taxed. And that happens a lot. The amygdala is bigger than our frontal lobe areas in our brain, so instead of using logic, it reaches for the past experiences and emotions and brings those to the forefront. We have to work like triple times as hard to push those back and bring logic to the forefront. So it is confusing to me why DESR nor emotional regulation disorder or dysregulation disorder, whatever you want to call it, are not diagnosis criteria for ADHD. In my opinion, this is why ADHDers engage in something called masking, which is the case of the missing manager, basically. Um, In social and public settings, masking is a term that basically means camouflaging because it happens when someone with ADHD presents as though they don't have the disorder. I know, it's confusing, but follow me here. When you were a kid in class and you realized you didn't know what you were supposed to do, so you looked to your peers essentially to copy and follow along with what they were doing until you caught up, yeah, that was appropriate, very developmentally incredibly appropriate for kids for the most part but as an adult it looks more like what it is catching up and it takes forever and when you finally get there you're out of breath sweaty and embarrassed and you kind of just want to leave still wondering why you're always feeling so drained because we tax our brains wow i really am going back to work tomorrow the rhyming okay let's just move on It's not good self-care at all. It's just not. ADHD is a failure to regulate mood disorder. Failure to regulate. Self-regulate. That includes emotions. That includes our needs. That includes anything that we have to regulate about ourselves. Masking emotions instead of moving through them can cause damage in relationships, careers, your self-worth. And your self-concept as a human being. And living a long and happy life. It can impede that. I don't like to... I don't like to talk about masking a lot. Because it has a lot of negative side effects. And they don't necessarily fit in or go along with some of the things that we've learned. Masking is learned early. ADHD kids have less impulse control than others. Hyperactivity is a factor. It can be internalized as racing thoughts or body-focused things. We changed our tone to make it more animated. We mimicked people. We studied social interactions to learn how to respond. We suppressed behaviors like twirling our hair and biting our nails. 
We scripted conversations a lot. We avoid talking about certain interests. We pretended that the sensory assaults didn't bother us. The loud gym and the over-talkative friend or whatever. Masking can actually look like a lot of different things. And it's detrimental to your mental health if you continue to do so. So identify which form of ADHD masking behaviors are healthy and which ones are hurting you. For example, learning to keep a reasonably tidy home might be helpful, whereas needing everything to be perfectly in its place would be harmful. Learn how to deal with your emotions instead of avoiding them. Journal it out. Get a coach. Get a therapist. Understand you're not alone. You're not alone if I'm talking about this right now. You are not alone, my friend. I don't like to close an episode without some sort of tips. And this topic is rough and heavy because it's due to each person's individual experiences and almost everybody with ADHD struggles with this. So some things I personally do and still work on are working through the feeling by journaling, crying, or whatever is needed to really work through it. I'm still working on stopping myself when I'm angry and removing myself from the situation, although I have to admit I've gotten better. I've also gotten better at thinking twice before spending a ton of money by taking pauses and really thinking about the item or the investment, exactly what I would do with it, or if it has a specific place to go in my home and do I need it, am I going to use it? I don't blow up on my friends and family for the most part before checking for my own understanding. Try this. Next time you feel a strong emotion, ask yourself. Grab a piece of scrap paper and ask yourself these questions. Where in my body do I feel this emotion? Is it in my face? My stomach? Do a check-in. Are you hungry? Do you need water? Did you treat your ADHD today, whether you're medicated or not? It's important to know what affects you and how it affects you. I use the emotion scale. It's on therapistaid.com. I will try to remember to put link it in the notes, in the show notes. Um, just a couple other things I notice work for me are daily journaling in the morning and in the evening, including gratitude and wins of the day, even if your win of the day was just taking a shower. Get a positive nag friend. Put positivity all around you. Journal. Give yourself compassion. When you screw up, don't call yourself an idiot. Be like, hey, don't don't sweat it. Like, tomorrow I can do it again better. Try to flip your anger. And every day, just try to do better. And you are. And I believe in you. That's all I have today, friends. Stay authentic, my friends. See you next time. Hey, listener. Have you subscribed to 
to this show yet, if you're enjoying it, I suggest hitting the little subscribe button under the podcast main page so that when new episodes come out, they just pop up in your feed, just like the algorithms of Instagram and Facebook when you follow things. So if you like this podcast, go click that follow button. Do you feel like your emotions run your life instead of you running your emotions? I have fantastic news for you. Guess what? Our emotions are caused by thoughts. And thoughts are just sentences in our head that we can choose whether or not we want to believe. Now, if you want to get more into this, you should definitely hit me up for a free coaching consultation call. I will walk you through this process and you can decide whether you'd like to work with me one-on-one in improving your life.